And here we go, the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral podcast. And you are in for what I believe is a pretty powerful conversation with myself. My brain is flooding with thoughts and information, much like yours probably is. That's what humans are meant to be doing. We're meant to be thinking, contemplating, and acting, and being active participants. And I have really been thinking a lot about the conversation I had with Joseph Arthur about a week ago. And I've also been thinking a lot about the impact of the media I've been thinking about a conversation that Joseph Gordon-Levitt had with Mark Maron on his podcast last week. I'm going to play some of that. Um, I'm also going to try and play a clip of the Sam Harris podcast as well, and how he is now comparing people that don't get a vaccine to people that don't wear their seatbelt. It's quite mind-boggling to me what is going on right now. And I potentially think this may be the most dangerous time of our lives. I know that's a really potentially hyperbolic thing to say, but I am sort of awestruck as to what's going on. And I want to be hopeful here and imagine that six months from now, I'm going to wake up and and we're sort of going to be out of this mess. But it doesn't feel like this is going to end. And it's complicated. A lot of roads are intersecting here. But I was up in Carmel, first point here, I was up in Carmel driving back down PCH. And by the way, it's it's one of the most beautiful drives in the world. And, and I almost felt a little somber thinking, gosh, is, is California going to ever feel this way again. I mean, there's there's seriously council members right now that are putting together mandates slash laws that potentially will not allow people that have not had a vaccine to go into grocery stores, uh, restaurants, public places. I, I'm, I'm so frightened because if we open that door, um, where is that going to head? So as I'm driving down... PCH, in awe of the beauty of the world, I started to think not only about sort of the destruction that's happening, but I also started to think about people's addiction to consumption. People are so addicted to consuming the nonstop onslaught of minutia that I don't think people are capable of thinking critically or objectively. I was obsessed with, um, gosh, what is that show? The Handmaid's Tale. But I, I'm one of those people that will watch an hour, and then it's like, that's it. I can't watch anymore. I, I give myself permission to watch an hour of television a day. But I'm reading Amusing Ourselves to Death right now by Neil Postman, which I'm going to read some clips, or I'm going to read a little bit from. But he's going on saying that people are watching on average four hours of television a day. And if you spread that out over 70, 80 years, you're watching between five to 10 years. You're, you're wasting five to 10 years of your life watching television. Imagine, imagine that. So I was, I was thinking, you know, on the car ride about how people wake up every day 
addicted to consuming. And social media platforms, streaming services, just serve it up for you, where you literally can go down these rabbit holes for hours of consuming, consuming, consuming. But then I started to think, are you consuming something that actually inspires you to be an active participant? Or are you just consuming and consuming and when you're done consuming, all you want to do is just keep on consuming. Like, are you so absorbed with the process of feeding that brain with nonstop consumption? TV show after TV show, podcast after podcast, that you're not even allowing yourself time to think or be objective. And, you know, I was talking to Joseph after we spoke last week, and I was talking about how in France... There are millions of people protesting what's going on there with with the Vax uh, passports. And I I was telling him, I I don't know if Americans care. Like, we, we are so satisfied with consumption, having so much information at our fingertips, that what does it take to get somebody to go beyond themselves, to get somebody off of the couch to protest, to speak up. And then the other sort of wrinkle here is if you speak out against sort of what anybody else thinks or to to have your own point of view takes more courage now than ever because this cancel culture world, the labeling, the conspiratorial world where you're just a nut job if you don't believe or think what everybody else thinks, it's virtually impossible to speak out and get anybody's attention, and then get anybody to think objectively about a different perspective other than whatever the media is sort of promulgating nonstop. It, it just feels like it's impossible to be yourself. So much to get to. By the way, I did just get rid of Netflix a couple weeks ago. Um, I just took Twitter off my phone. I took email off of my phone. I don't know. I'm really, I know this will sound very negative, but I'm, I'm getting the impression that we have, it's so hard to be in control of your own feelings and thoughts. And... It's like we don't have time for context anymore. I really, I want you to listen. And it's weird. I I was very nervous. I recorded a podcast. I'm not going to touch on this too much because there's so much more I want to get to. But I recorded a podcast maybe 10 months ago when, do you remember that story in Central Park where Amy Cooper, the owner of a dog, was getting ridiculed as being racist and a Karen uh, because she had this this encounter in Central Park with a bird watcher, an African-American man. I think his first name was Christian, but I know his last name was also Cooper. This happened on the same day as George Floyd. Uh, is that it's a George Floyd incident. And it was it was referred to as another example of Karen behavior, systemic racism or or racism. And I ended up recording a podcast where I felt like it wasn't an example of racism. It was an example of the media creating a story and then going with it and creating this over-the-top reaction. 
And sure enough, there's a podcast from Barry Weiss, and she is known as being a liberal journalist. And it's called, the podcast is called The Real Story of the Central Park Karen. Amy Cooper was not the internet's first quote unquote Karen, the pejorative use for a demanding entitled white woman, but as the Central Park dog walker who went viral for calling the police on a black bird watcher last year, she quickly became the par- she quickly became the paragon of the archetype. Within 24 hours, Amy Cooper had been doxxed, fired from her job, and surrendered her dog. She ended up fleeing the country. Well, this podcast, again, I highly recommend it. It's called Honestly with Barry Weiss. This episode came out August 3rd. This podcast not only defends my point of view and shows that I'm accurate, but it goes on to show that there's just so much more to the story. And this in the in the African American man had a history of confronting other dog walkers, and he wanted to bring in the police and police the area. And I also brought up, because this was around the time of uh, the pandemic, people were just overwhelmingly anxious at this time. And so, and she had a history of, of mental health issues. And we also come to find out that he was actually the instigator. Through some words that he says to her, he was instigating this conflict. And I was just so frustrated because all along I felt like the media was using the story to stoke the fire. And this podcast that I highly recommend you listening to, that I highly recommend that you listen to, proves my point. Hey, Nellie. I know. I, I'm upset about it too. I guess I just... I... I think we're we're in a state now. Also, I want to bring up this word entertainment. So we have this layer of people addicted to consumption. But we also have a, millions of people that want to entertain you. Their goal in life is to seem like they have a fantastic life on social media. They want to entertain you. They want to seem entertaining. And I realize one of the things that I really struggle with as an artist is how do I get anybody's attention? Without, you know, taking selfies all day, without using sexuality. Uh, There are millions of people right now that have millions of followers on Instagram solely by showing their body. So where did this all stem from? And I'm reading this book, Amusing Ourselves to Death. And it, it was written in the early 80s when MTV came out and cable came out. And it's basically talking about how the destruction of television on human beings and where it no longer is about being informative, but it's about being entertaining. And I think that is why we are in such a dangerous situation right now, because truth no longer exists. The most important factor in people's day-to-day lives is to be entertained, and then the media's most important intent is to keep you entertained. Like, they are no different now from social media, from Netflix. It is all about keeping you glued to the television or keeping you glued um, to social media and your phone. And and I really think before I read some of these these, um, paragraphs from this book, I I don't know the answer other than individually, we, we all have to start taking things away. We have to start getting rid of Hulu. We have to get rid of Netflix. 
um, we, I don't know, it's, it's, it's like, how do we unspiral this spiral of destruction that has been created in front of us? By the way, the foreword by his son, Neil Postman's son, is also fantastic. Um, again, this book was written in the 80s, but is it really plausible that this book about how TV is turning all public life into entertainment, how the image is undermining other forms of communication, particularly the written word, and how our bottomless appetite for TV will make content so abundantly available, context be damned, that will be overwhelmed by information glut until what is truly meaningful is lost. And we no longer care what we've lost as long as we're being amused. Can such a book possibly have relevance to present day and beyond? I mean, of, of course. We are only obsessed with the visual. We only care about what we see. The other senses in this idea of context and nuance doesn't matter. And I think that's what's so frustrating about the story in Central Park. The media knows this. They took advantage of you and me and everybody and just went with that story without doing any sort of investigative journalism. It's like journalism doesn't exist anymore. Just keeping you entertained is more important than finding the truth. And as I've said at the beginning, this is a very dangerous world that we live in right now, knowing that that is true. Amusing ourselves to death is a call to action. It is, in my father's words, an inquiry. Yes, but it aspires to greater things. It is an exhortation to do something. It's a counterpunch to what my father thought daily TV news was. Inert, consisting of information that gives us something to talk about, but cannot lead to any meaningful action. He goes on to say, when Jon Stewart, host of Comedy Central's The Daily Show, went on CNN's Crossfire to make this point that serious news and show business ought to be distinguishable for the sake of public discourse, the hosts seemed incapable of even understanding the words coming out of his mouth. Again, this this we we literally live in a day and age where CNN, Fox, these these podcasts that claim to be newsworthy, I just don't know what to believe. If the truth, if 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 investigative journalism, if finding the truth no longer matters, how do we get out of this? How do we climb out of this hole that has been created? Human beings are taking on the same role. Social media has given people, Instagram particularly, has given people their, the tools to become their own entertainers, where the truth doesn't matter. They, they would rather just create this sort of Truman show where you have the filters, you have all these editing tools to create sort of a movie version of yourself. And last little bit here from the book. Community Communities are collapsing. Far fewer people join clubs that meet regularly. Fewer families eat dinner together, and people don't have friends over or know their neighbors the way they used to. 
The number of hours the average American watches TV has remained steady at about four hours a day. By age 65, a person will have spent 12 uninterrupted years in front of the television. I'm going to play you a quick clip from the Joseph Gordon-Levitt podcast, or it's the Mark Maron podcast. Joseph Gordon-Levitt is on the show, and they talk about this book. Yeah, when you put video, maybe not now because people have gotten so accustomed to it, but you deal with hair and makeup. It, I, it is one of my favorite things about the medium of the podcast, that it is audio only, and it puts yeah. the attention on the substance of what you're saying as opposed to the it's an audio experience yeah Yeah. have you ever read amusing ourselves to death yes neil postman it's one of the most important hey i'm 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 impressed you knew what i was talking about that's great yeah it's one of the it's one of the defining books of my brain mine too to be really honest really yeah mine too i read it about five years ago or so and uh i'm rereading it now i think about it constantly yeah i i think i read it when it came out oh wow so there you go well, I mean, I'm older than you. It's fascinating to read now because for those who haven't read it, it's um, it's analyzing television largely and kind of what the medium of television does to our culture and to public discourse. And what it was becoming. Right. It, that was before it tipped. Right. So it was. it's prophetic, I would imagine. It's incredibly prophetic because when you read what he says about television, but you read it today and you yeah. see what new media technology is doing to our culture and to public discourse it seems like he's talking about facebook when he's he's talking about television so it's just been this progression this march towards the lowest common denominator and the inability of us to have productive yeah. conversations <laughs> exactly he was he was kind of uh, intellectually picturing the nightmare scenario right it was like it was a warning Uh, That book. The opening of it, speaking of a nightmare scenario, is so brilliant because he compares these two dystopian sci-fi novels, 1984 and Brave New World. And in 1984, uh, it's a a picture of an authoritarian government that burns books, that prevents everybody from reading, that by force prevents you from doing it. And in Brave New World, uh, he says, you know, the government doesn't have to burn books because nobody's interested in reading. People are going to be so apathetic by fulfilling their, their needs and desires in the empty hole. And now we're sort of revolving into some sort of hybrid of both. What? How exciting. We've got are a very we, where, Where's the hybrid? Like, are, are we any 1984? It seems like we're purely... Are you kidding, Huxley, dude? Like, you know, what are you talking about, man? All these Republican state legislatures who are trying to ban critical race theory and... and Define exactly what edge. <laughs> it's so. What's amazing to me, I, I love Mark Maron, but this is where I hate what politics has done to our culture. It's made people so blind to what the media is doing. It's it's amazing. They're having this conversation about, and I agree with Mark. I think we do live in both worlds, 1984, and a brave new world where people are so apathetic that they just don't care. But what's amazing is that Mark brings up, or what are you kidding? We also live in a 1984. Look at what the Republicans are doing with critical race theory. I'm thinking to myself, hello, Mark. Look at what the media is doing and Twitter is doing and YouTube is doing by blocking people's points of views and opinions that don't go along with the narrative. 
Like it's it's too bad that Mark is so such a Democrat that he can't even see or be objective about what YouTube and Twitter and Facebook are doing by blocking certain points of view. So that we actually do live in both worlds. We live in a hybrid world where the media is blocking the truth. They're not doing investigative journalism anymore. And then we also have this other part where people don't give a fuck because they are so entertained by the unlimited amount of information that is fed to them, spoon-fed to them day after day. Does anybody care to notice that we are literally living in this hybrid version of Brave New World and 1984? People don't care. And also, the media and these huge tech conglomerates are censoring the truth, or at least censoring what should go out there in the world. It's, it's crazy. No wonder we are hand-tied right now and scared to speak our mind. I think I'm going to play a clip from the Sam Harris show. I hope to. A little context here. Brett Weinstein was on the Joe Rogan show talking about how the, the peculiarities of how Fauci and the media are not talking about other remedies besides the vaccine. And Sam is very pro-vaccine. He doesn't care about context when it comes to people's health. He thinks we're better off if everybody gets the vaccine. I mean, he is somewhat objective and realized that some people with immunocompromised conditions uh, should be vax-hesitant. But overall, he thinks the vast majority of people should just go out and get the vaccine. And so Brett Weinstein's on the Joe Rogan show. They're bringing up all these other remedies, whether it's hydroxy, ivermectin, uh, quercetin, vitamin D, which I do believe is valuable to talk about because there are other things that this isn't about. I, I understand why people get the vaccine. I understand why people don't get the vaccine, but we all can be doing things individually that put us in a position where if we do get sick, whether it's COVID or any other unlimited list of, of diseases out there that we could potentially get, we need to put ourselves in a better position where we can fight them off. And whether it's through exercise every day, therapy, meditation, vitamins, minerals, vitamin C, quercetin. I mean, I would love it if doctors went on television and, you know, bring up the vaccine, but also bring up all these other remedies that can be helpful. I mean, we live in such an anxious world right now and it doesn't feel like anybody is offering any sort of context or suggestions on how to lower the anxiety. It's like, here's the conclusion. This is what you should do. Listen to me. Anybody else that has another idea, shut up. So Brett Weinstein has his own podcast. And it's called Brett Weinstein's Dark Horse Podcast. Yeah, it's episode 91. Brett Weinstein and Heather Haying discuss the state of the world through an evolutionary lens. They discuss comorbidities that are associated with bad outcomes from COVID. And they also, and this is the clip I want to play, they talk about living in a conclusion-driven world. Journalism, science, and justice are all succumbing. 
So I, I have to play you this clip. It's a little long. It's probably a few minutes, but it, it's sort of my, I felt my brain exploding while I was listening to it. So, um, powerful. This is what happens when our sense making apparatus becomes conclusion driven. Um, that the conclusion is decided before data come in, before evidence comes in, in the case that it might not be data per se, before analysis is even possible, and certainly before analysis is tolerated or allowed. And then if and when data or evidence or analysis does show up, when it runs counter to the conclusion that has already been generated, that is already foregone, it's ignored. And this is not how journalism is supposed to work, of course, or science. What it is is PR. It's public relations. And it's PR decked out in the guise of journalism or science or justice, right? Um, but this guise, it has no it has no clothes. You know, this is like a classic emperor has no clothes. Actually, like, look, guys, that's not journalism. Follow, I'd, lo- I'd love to follow some journalism and follow some science and follow some justice and be right there in the thick of it. And uh, it turns out, without hardly any trustworthy journalists out there, Camille Foster, Barry Weiss being two notable exceptions in this regard, I don't even know if Camille regards himself as a journalist in general, but in this case, he did some extraordinary journalism. Um, but this this guy, this PR, it just yells and yells and yells at us, and it can't see beyond itself. And those who disagree with it, are evil or disgusting or dirty or deplorable. And of course, we're seeing the same thing over in COVID space. The conclusion is foregone. We have a conclusion. There is some conclusion. And who knows under what circumstances and by whom and for what purposes it is arrived at. But then we are fed the conclusion along with feel-good human interest stories and some of, you know, something that looks a little bit like data or evidence that may or may not be. And what they're effectively doing is guaranteeing that some, it's, it's increasing a sense of tribe by dehumanizing those who aren't in tribe. And it pretends that we're all one people, right? It, it talks a good game about like, well, we're all in this together, um, but we are actually all one people. And this is doing nothing to to preserve that. It's, it's just this nonstop um, parade of being first, telling you what to think, being right, without actually clearly investigating and coming up with a nuanced answer, having nuanced discussions to figure it out. These, these declarations that everybody is this, everybody should do that. If you don't, you're this. If you don't agree, you're this. It's, it's so um, destructive. And it's, it's just these, these little um, bombs that are just like exploding in front, of our, in front of our eyes. And it's like no wonder nobody wants to say anything. I mean, what, what is the reward from speaking out or being different? Because it, it feels like it's no longer rewarded. Instead, it's just sort of this, um, this battleground where people are just going to throw grenades on top of you, and it's just going to explode. And then they're going to just move on to the next battle. It's, it's truly a scary world that we live in. With, with truth no longer existing, and then you throw in all the addictive qualities of tech, and then the media's interest in entertaining you as opposed to informing you. So I, I want to play a couple more clips. This one's really important to me, and I, I'm curious. It's, even, it's hard for me to articulate. Sam Harris 
really enjoys podcasts, um, always gets me thinking. But when I was, so I, my last podcast or two podcasts ago, I was speaking about the confusion I feel, and we probably all feel because if you listen to Sam Harris a couple weeks ago, having an epidemiologist on a show really gives chilling and, and powerful evidence that it makes a lot of sense to get the vaccine. And if you listen to Joe Rogan, he has Brett Michaels on and another physician on, I forget his name, and they're giving all these stories and pretty provocative evidence that makes one, I could understand why one would be vax hesitant. So I started asking myself, and I say it on the show, gosh, wouldn't it be awesome and amazing and helpful to have all these people on the show together? And having a conversation, dissecting what the right thing to do is, it's, it's like we don't live in that world anymore. It's, it's all about um, telling people what to do, telling people what to think, the, com- the critical conversations where you're asking questions, trying to figure out the answer, and then telling people what to do. Like, like that doesn't exist anymore, it feels like. Like, who, who is having those discussions? Who right now is having um, conversations where people aren't agreeing, trying to find a solution to make our lives better? So I ask myself, Sam needs to have these people on his show. And this, so, and this is Sam talking about it on the next podcast. I don't actually know what the solution is here. Because I, you know, some people asked, why not just have Brett on the podcast to talk about all this? But I think that would be a bad idea. Not because I don't think there are adequate answers to the kinds of points he would raise. But like so many debates on fairly fringe topics... You know, classic conspiracy theories, religious fundamentalism. Many points can't be addressed in real time. Many anomalies can't be fully explained, right? And it can give a sense of uncertainty that is truly unwarranted. So there are many cases where merely having the conversation can be misleading for many, many people. And in this case... In the middle of a public health crisis, I think it is irresponsible to run this just asking questions routine in public. Wow. So we live in a day and age now where it's irresponsible to ask questions in a public space. I'm, I'm truly, my jaw is ajar. It's hitting the floor. At, at what Sam just said. And, and I respect him immensely. Um, he has a way with language that, that I crave, and I think he has this clear way of articulating thoughts, especially in this confusing world we live in. But I can't fathom what he just said. I, I, he, he literally said, we can't have those types of conversations. We can't ask questions. And it's like, if we can't ask questions, um, it's just another layer of, of the destruction that I feel is already here or it's, it's on its way at an even uh, larger scale.
So last clip, a lot here today. Um, gosh, yeah, this is a longer podcast, but I, I really think my goal here is is to try and create a world where people can have conversations, nuanced discussions. But I also think it's really important to be aware of, of are you consuming information or shows that inspires you? Or are you consuming information or shows that just continues you down that lazy path of more consumption? And then when you, you know, like something or retweet something, do you feel like you are actually an active participant in the world when you do those very robotic things? It's like, what does it take to be an active participant in in today's day in today's world and and again i i know this sounds so you know tinfoil nefarious but it does feel like the world is taking advantage of people's immense apathy of people's immense laziness and sort of just directing the story the way they want it to go uh, and then this last point i'm going to play another clip here from the Mark Marin podcast, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, he really, I, I really connect with his struggles with creativity and artistry. It's like, to me, I create and do this podcast and write songs and write a book um, with, of course, hopes that people connect with what I'm saying or singing about, but I'm not doing it for any of that. I'm not doing it for the response. I'm doing it because I feel called to communicate, I feel called to sing and write. But what happens when creativity intersects with the dopamine factor of social media? How many people right now are doing things for the reaction, for the attention, and not because it's this sort of innate desire internally to actually create? So here's um, the clip that I want to play for you. A few thoughts, and then I will let you go. I, I love that you're picking up on that character and that it, it's something I think about all the time. I gave a, a Ted talk actually about this. I always feel self-conscious when I mention the fact that I, God, you talk. are the like, character. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> I, I told you I was, uh, but about, about how craving attention can destroy your creativity and, uh, being an influencer, you're signing up for a product that will get you addicted to attention. And if you're, if you're trying to really embark on a creative process and express yourself and make art, it makes sense that you care about an audience and what an audience thinks. But if you're overly swayed by that, if at the very beginning of your creative process, you're thinking about likes and follows because your brain has been trained into those dopamine hits and you're a fiend for the the addiction to the the attention that you get it's gonna corrupt your creative process you're not going to be able to dig deep down into your unique self it's going to corrupt your 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 sense of humility entire it's going to corrupt more than just your creativity yes yeah (laughs) you know we are becoming addicted to being entertained we are becoming addicted or we already are to being liked in the dopamine hits. And it's sort of like, where is purity in all of this? Where is 
doing something just out of the pure joy and love of doing it and not caring what people think. And, and I do think um, that I, I, I'm, I'm concerned, deeply concerned about where our culture is headed. Um, I think politics has somehow made this sort of osmosis, this process has, has, has seeped its way into every detail of our lives. And I think that's destructive. I think social media, technology, and, entertain, and the entertaining aspects of, of the television is overwhelming people's emotionality. And I, I don't think people can even think straight. I, I, don't, even, I don't think people are, uh, the, the, the vast majority of people know how to think for themselves to notice what's really going on inside of their bodies. And they're just so caught up in the addictive qualities of, of, of all the minutiae around us. It's, it's, it's overwhelming. And I haven't, even, I haven't even touched on pornography, video games, these billion-dollar industries that are warping our culture. So I, I just, I, I'm really suggesting removing these items from our lives. And I know that's sort of a catch-22 because I, I do wonder sometimes if I remove Twitter and the media and everything, all these sort of newsworthy details from my life, am I going to wake up a year from now or, or open up my phone and turn on CNN or Fox and the world is just like completely broken, destroyed with, with more segregation, more division, more violence? Uh, I mean, where, where are we headed? Because all of these these devices and everything that's going on, it feels like they're all adding more tension and anxiety. Like what is out there that is relieving the tension? What is out there that is relaxing you? So I'll leave you with that. I am going to play a new song. Um, you know, I'll talk about it because this has been a pretty long podcast. I, it's called Kill Silently. I know it's a very dark song, lyrically at least, but I, I'm very proud of it. I think it's, it's actually a song that I wrote maybe 10 years ago, but I think seeing the destruction um, around me in 2020, I, I went back to the song and produced it and uh, added these these different elements to it. Jake Reed added the drums. Bruce Watson played guitar. Bruce Watson played guitars. Phil Peterson played strings. I, I know I probably come across as sort of having this odious attitude towards the world around me because I, I still see the beauty. And as I spoke to Joseph about last week, it's it's like I I feel great. I still see the beauty as I'm driving up and down the coast of L.A. or of California from Carmel to LA. There's so much beauty out there, but it just feels like much of the nefarious, dark qualities of human beings are being brought out by what I see in the world. And, and that scares me. So this song sort of represents that. going to end the show with Kill Silently, new song on my new record coming out next month. Um, it'll be on Bandcamp soon. You know where to find me on Instagram at Eddie Cohn or the Spiritual Spiral Podcast. Any questions, you can reach me there. 
Uh, IamEddieCone.com is the website. EddieCone.Bandcamp.com is where you can find all the music. Of course, it's on Spotify as well. And that is it. Really appreciate you listening. Hope you enjoy this song. As always, thank you so much for listening, supporting, and being a part of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral podcast. You can save me. Heaven forgive me. Something feels so wrong. Light a match so you see. That's important with me. If heaven exists, I don't give a damn. Kill them every moment. You kill them walk away. You kill them every morning. Every single day. I'm sick of all the bullshit. All we love for stay.